when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome back to She and Her special season called Cocktails and COVID. It's great to have y'all back. As you know, if you've been listening to the last few episodes, we have been revisiting um, our friendships and conversations with previous guests, and we have just been wanting to check in with folks and see how in the world they are faring in the era of COVID. So we have another one of those episodes for y'all today. We do. We are welcoming back our survivor from last season. Dr. Allison uh, is joining us back on She and Her. Welcome back to the show. (laughs) Thank you. Thanks for having me. Of course. Um, So we have been starting these episodes by just saying, what in the hell is going on with your life right now? So my life is really weird right now because I'm used to being a resident who works 80 hours a week and now transitioned to a fellow this year. Similar work schedule, and I do that all in the hospital. Um, But in an effort to try and reduce the number of people in the hospital, they've actually pulled back a lot of the people that aren't on the front front lines. And I was on an elective this month, which meant that I have had a very easy April filled with education and running, and um, I feel really lucky in that regard, but I also feel some guilt knowing that there's a lot of people both at you know UNC, where I work, but across the country, who are physicians like me or, or quote, frontline workers, and I, I'm carrying that title, but I'm not doing the work right now, hmm. um, so it's complicated. So, so what is your day-to-day work right now? Like t- mostly telehealth kind of stuff? Yeah, yeah, televisit. So I like get up and we have morning lectures since I'm still, you know, a trainee. Um, and then some televisits, which are mixed bag if they're successful or not. Like half the time you face some sort of technological glitch. Um, and you hope that you still had that bedside manner via either a, a phone visit or a video visit. And then, you know, more lectures. Every lecture seems to involve COVID in some capacity. And so it's sort of interesting because I'm a hematology oncology fellow, so training to be a cancer doctor. And that is not halted, but it's sort of like it's taken the the shift has almost been, okay, how do you prep yourself for when you're pulled to to 
cover these COVID patients. Will you paint us a picture of what the conversations in your universe of medicine have been like since this pandemic became a reality in North Carolina specifically? Yeah, I think it's been both crazed and frenetic, but also like really rational and reasonable. Um, I think that UNC, you know, in North Carolina, we are lucky in some regards in that we've had a lot of warning shots because we weren't the hot spot. We weren't New York. We weren't Seattle. We weren't LA. And so we have had a lot of time to prepare as a hospital and kind of individually and as family units. Um, but the, the conversations have kind of been, this is sort of a once in a lifetime, um, circumstance, right? I think we all feel that and that for us as physicians, it's time to rise to the occasion and um, kind of fulfill that sense of duty that called us to the profession in the first place. When did it first really, was there a specific moment in your work life where it really became a reality for you? Because, you know, we were all aware that COVID was happening overseas in January, February, Yeah, that's a great question. So I um, distinctly remember the moment that it hit me that this was real and real for us. Um, I had a meeting, I want to say it was the end of February or the first week of March, and it was amongst the kind of chief fellows from each class um, in my program. And during that meeting, the program director kind of said, all of you that have vacations coming up, I would expect that you won't be going on those. And at that moment, you know, at that point in time, I had been like, I had blinders on and it was, I had done several months of inpatient work in a row. I was in that crazy schedule, taking overnight calls every fifth or fourth or sixth night. And what I had been clinging to, to get me through these months in the winter of darkness was I have vacation in May. I will see my family. I have this bachelorette party. I ha- I'm going to Sedona. All these, I had planned these things as the little bright spots. I had your wedding to celebrate, <laughs> you know, just these great things to, to celebrate my life and celebrate those moments away from the hospital. Um, and, and when I heard that, I thought, because it was early, this like we hadn't yet had a case in North Carolina, or maybe we had one or two cases. I thought, surely this is an overreaction. And, you know, our information has evolved. And at that moment in time, I thought, can this be worse than the flu? You know, we fl- face, you know, a flu epidemic every year, so to speak, um, not using that term kind of per definition. But I thought, we see the flu in our ICUs and in our hospital every year, it's just another respiratory born illness like the flu. Um, And clearly my perception of it in end of February to now has drastically altered, I think, as has, you know, all of us with what we've witnessed. It's so, that is so crazy because I feel like there are so many, I have a lot of healthcare workers in my family and they are kind of in a similar position to you of being not quite on the front lines in this current moment, but kind of navigating that tension between like wanting to help, but also holding back. So, I mean, I know you're such a go-getter, like that was very, you know, you applied for and succeeded in getting on Survivor. (laughs) So like, I imagine that this is especially challenging for you. So how have you navigated that this past month or so of kind of acknowledging this global crisis, but like kind of trying to zone in on what your role is right now in this moment? Have you felt compelled to like fly to New York and 
help out there? Is that even like a, an option that you could have done if you wanted? I have definitely at least thought about it. So at the very beginning, when UNC was planning, we received a survey that was like, will you um, volunteer to work in a COVID unit? And like they did put it on us. And of course, they also accepted that some people have comorbidities or their age puts them at risk. And um, so that was a no doubt question of like, yes, for me, of course, if if our hospital is at capacity, um, I want to be contributing and I'm trained, you know, to help care for these patients. Um, in terms of New York, it's interesting because I, I, I mentioned the word guilt and it's what I feel a lot of days sitting at home and having this privilege of kind of learning. And yes, I'm delivering patient care, but it's a very different form of patient care than I'm used to. And I, I have thought about, well, could I go to New York? And actually one of my co-fellows husbands attempted and there was so much red tape. We were laughing because he was watching these like videos on hand hygiene and on um, like sexual harassment. He had to onboard before he could volunteer. And this was, you know, New York has been at the peak of the crisis. And we thought, what a waste of resources. There are people that that want to do this and that have the capability and the flexibility. It's a little different being a fellow and under training where I still have responsibilities to my fellowship. Um, and then to hear that there was too much red tape preventing, you know, some of these amazing people from helping out. Do you, okay. So I think I saw on your Instagram, maybe last week that you have a sibling who is on the front lines of this. Yeah, my sister is an infectious disease doctor um, at Virginia Commonwealth. <laughs> it's a family and, of go-getters. <laughs> that's right. She's she's my role model there. Um, but no, she was, she's obviously ID is at the center of this, just like pulmonary grip, um, you know, for Benjamin. But she has, she was just on the COVID team last week and she was dealing with 40 plus patients, which is a very large amount that's way more than a typical you know physician will carry and her work days were until midnight every night last week um and she's the one who's responsible for what patient can go on what trial what compassionate use drug and she's making all of these requests to companies to get this person who's on an intubator this last ditch effort um, and so like knowing the life she's living and knowing the life I'm living right now, they're, they're two opposite ends of the spectrum. Um, and she's finally, she's off of that service and back to kind of her usual infectious disease work. But for her, that now looks like she's in the COVID command center, even if she's not the one seeing the patients every single day. How is she doing? Um, I, I think last week was a really challenging week. Uh, she has a, a new baby. Um, and, and so I think there's that difficulty of, can I come home and spend time with my, you know, one year old or, um, what does, what does motherhood look like in this time? And, uh, I think thankfully she has a really supportive, you know, husband and we're all rooting her on, but it was, I think it was one of the most challenging weeks, if not the most challenging week of her career, to date. I wonder this is going to take us in like a slightly dark place for a minute, but just the news article from earlier this week that a lot of people have been talking about of the New York City doctor who was on the front lines taking care of COVID patients and committed suicide. And I think that was just like, I mean, that's a, a devastating story for so many reasons. But I wonder for you reading that, like, 
how is this different from kind of what you are prepared for as a physician? Like when you read that, I mean, could you relate to that experience? And and what do you make of that? I mean, my heart obviously first just broke and so devastated because I think of you know, physicians in general are these extraordinary, resilient individuals. I think that was like the theme of the last time we all spoke. And, yeah. um, and it takes so much to get to the point where you, you are a physician practicing. Um, and to think and to know what that type is, that model is of, of a physician or anyone, you know, in healthcare, and what it would take to push a person with all that grit and all that resilience kind of to the edge it's it's both startling but also not so surprising like because the stories that i'm hearing from colleagues in new york are are ones that it really is a war zone like when we use these terms of frontline workers and we use the language of the military in this scenario that's not an exaggeration uh, I've, I've heard truly horrific devastating things and i you know you're seeing these patients die with no loved ones at their bedside you're you're seeing hordes of them at once you know normally after we have a patient death we have opportunity to debrief Mm -hmm. but what it sounds like in places like new york there isn't that time and that space to debrief because you just have to go on to the next code and the next crashing patient um and then all within the realm of not having your usual ability i call it like this empathy reserve or your wellness tank Mm. and normally even if you have a bad day or a bad slew of days at some point you you hit a hit an opportunity to recover and refill your tank but in a global pandemic where you're the hot spot and where you're the person whose kind of name is on the line and making all these critical decisions and you're holding the guilt of every decision kind of on your shoulders i i can understand how it would push someone to that point. Hmm. So I feel like if I were you and I was among the individuals who were a part of the frontline response to this, that would impact how I also just responded to the anxiety and the uh, fear and uncertainty that this pandemic has generally provided for everyone. And I wonder how, how it, like, what is your response to that? And do you feel like you have two parallel experiences of this or is it an integrated response because of who you are and the type of work that you do? I think in some regards, I'm having to compartmentalize things at times because I find that when, I mean, I look at the news feed the same as you, I'm really scared and I'm really anxious. And, you know, knowing last week that my sister was seeing all of these patients and potentially being at risk. And I actually was quarantined earlier in the um, kind of pandemic for an exposure. And I was very scared, not so much for my personal health, but for the health of if I was exposed and I tested positive, would I be giving it to a loved one, you know, at a, during an asymptomatic period? And this was before, I think like March 3rd or so when I was exposed, mm, wow. when we all didn't know 
really much about the virus. We didn't know about the incubation period. We didn't know about the degree of asymptomatic transmission. And so to to kind of live with, I was I was exposed. I could have been a potential carrier and could have given it to more um, at risk individuals. That was a huge part of like this early experience with the pandemic. And then thankfully, I kind of came through that without any symptoms, like feeling fine. And I ultimately, um, you know, was able to find my footing in terms of what does it look like to be productive from home as a physician. But I would have these periods where for four hours, I would look at the Johns Hopkins map that gives you the numbers and look at the breakdown of the trends. And I would get so sucked in. And it was either, it was like two extremes where either I'd get sucked in or I'd have to totally just isolate like COVID as a reality on our doorstep. Wow. That is, and that was pretty, like you said, that's pretty early to have that potential that you're grappling with as an individual and as somebody who sees people whose immune systems are compromised and. Oh, I was on the bone marrow transplant unit when this happened. And so it was like the worst possible exposure. Um, I was so scared of of these patients. And I had spent a lot of time in some of these patients' rooms. And thankfully, you know, they immediately pulled me off of service. And then there's the guilt of my co-fellow is having to cover for me. Um, I'm feeling well at home, but I... I have to, like, it is my duty at that point in time to stay home. And that's just, it's, I have the mentality of if I'm not the hardest one working, like something feels wrong to me. Um, yeah. Has Survivor and that experience come up for you at all in this time? A little bit. Actually, the funny, like, anecdote from it. So when I was quarantined, so much of like my department and the division reached out and wanted to make sure I was okay and how I was doing, which was very sweet because they could tell that I was anxious, particularly about the kind of transmission to others. Uh, but they all were very adamant that since, you know, did I have enough food? Was I going to be able to live for like, <laughs> you know, two weeks at home? And I'm thinking like, I'm in like this beautiful home. I have a shelter. I have a roof over me. I have a fridge. I have a freezer stocked with groceries. Like, it was hilarious. I kept having to remind people like I did live for 37 days without really any food. Like, trust me. Like, not to say that I'd take a global pandemic because obviously not, but being quarantined at home with like, and then they were all arranging like food service delivery. Aww. It was honestly a pretty good life for a moment there. Aww. Well, You're like, I- I'm fine with just a cup of rice, you know, I can handle that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I do wonder, I mean, because the other thing, the other byproduct of your time on Survivor is that you have a bit of a public platform. So I wonder if you have felt a sense of responsibility to use that to talk about sort of the public health component of all of this. Uh, Definitely. Uh, So early, I want to say in mid-March when there was a lot of mixed messaging going on early mid-March. Um, I actually went on like a and a on Instagram to I just try it. and, <laughs> oh yeah, so to try and demystify things a little bit. And it was still at a point in time where I was trying to understand this disease. I think medically we are 
still not fully understanding what is causing some people to have such terrible outcomes and some people to have such mild courses. Um, but I, you know, I want to do things like that so that not that I'm an expert. And I think I kept saying that on the Q and a, I'm not an expert in COVID, but I'm trying to learn. And I also can at least speak the language of the science and help translate it, you know, into layman speak. And I think like, you know, even here and now, and as states are starting to open up and a lot of states bordering us, I am, I, I fear that that is the wrong decision. You know, we had, we had our uh, big conference today and the infectious disease leader who actually studied COVID coronavirus, a different strain prior to all of this, he's the one sitting there in the conference saying this, it would be a mistake to open up right now. And and I really believe that seeing the trends that I have seen in our hospital um, and knowing that, yes, we are well prepared and we've done what we can to to make sure that when that surge happens, if it does happen, that we can treat as many patients as possible. But, you know, the reality is that as hard as this physical distancing has been, and I am, don't ignore the negative consequences of things like, you know, food scarcity for, for some, and I'm in this privileged position where I have a job, but people who have unemployment and are facing rent issues, those are very real consequences, but at the same time, like hu human lives are at stake. And if we can avoid, you know, situations like we've seen in these hot spots, um, and be able to treat as many people as possible and off have the right amount of resources for them, be them ventilators, be them PPE, you know, the protective mm -hmm. equipment for us as healthcare workers. Um, you know, I, I think every day about my friends who are in the ICU and like, I'm thankful because right now we have enough PPE for everyone, but what gets to the point when, if we don't, um, and then all of a sudden this call to serve that we all felt, you know, we took the Hippocratic oath becomes a question now of our own safety. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that's, uh, we've never had to deal with that, right? Like any time that I'm treating a patient, it's never been really at my own health and safety and well-being. Risk and that degree. Yeah, and risk. Yeah. yeah. So it's like this whole new phenomenon to have to deal with um, as well. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Do you, are you in contact? No, no, no. Are you in contact with any of your like survivor 
uh, crew and how are they responding to this? Yeah. So we did a couple, we've done a, one or two group FaceTime or Zoom calls um, <laughs> throughout this. It, it was sort of great because we hadn't like all as a big group gotten together so to touch base and I think everyone's having very different experiences actually Hmm. last week one of the people from the season um tested positive Hmm. um and so that was very you know scary to kind of hear about the person you know is currently doing well and has been very adamant about staying home and honestly had been doing all the right things but had an unfortunate you know, encounter, um, during one of those essential outings. Um, and so hearing that is really scary because it, you know, it's not, it's no longer also just patience. It's, that's a personal, you know, very important person to me. We had this crazy shared experience. So, um, I worry, you know, for the health of everyone and I, and when it hits that close to home, it makes it all scarier. And it's weird too, because, you know, survivors, that great thing where, 20 different people from 20 different walks of life. And so, you know, you have Mike from my season who, um, you know, is a a writer in Hollywood and he's able to do his work and write from home. Mm. Um, And then you have other people, you know, I, Carl, who is the truck driver is an essential worker and he's one of the few people that was allowed to cross state lines when I think Louisiana had maybe closed its borders and he was doing these day long trips so that people could have their food and um so you're just hearing every different slice of how it's affecting every single person yeah um yeah well do are there is there anything that you have introduced into your life that is new and different because of you know this stay at home order that we're all living underneath that that in a way has been an a response to in a way to grapple with and adjust and ease into this lifestyle shift i i think that there's been some some positive changes i mean for one and you know we see all the memes or whatever of like call day one of quarantine versus day 40 and day one has this to-do list that's a million things long and then day 40 is like put on pants Um, (laughs) and some days that feels real but uh no i i really have tried to be very present and like to reach out to all those people you know because we go so wrapped up in our busy lives and this has been a moment that we can stop and take pause and really think about what our priorities are and like i'm not the best person at keeping in contact and making sure all my friends are doing okay but I've actually had moments to like to FaceTime and to catch up and to have real conversations um and taking that slice you know once we are through this this pandemic will be a kind of a positive impact I'm also cooking more which is saying something because I never cooked in residency (laughs) (laughs) what are you consuming right now like television and movie wise yes great question okay well obviously I watched Tiger King because who didn't I know I wish I could take that time in my life back but I did it (laughs) that's right um and then I watched I got very into to a lot of um, document docu series, so uh, the How to Fix a Drug Scandal on Netflix. Ooh, haven't watched. Okay, yeah, highly recommend that. It's about two parallel drug scandals that occur in opposite sides of the state in Massachusetts, and basically, like every case that was tried in Massachusetts during a period of time was corrupt. 
Um, so spoiler alert there. <laughs> okay. Uh, and and all, the other docuseries was McMillions, which oh, was... Yes. I've heard really good things about that. That's a great one. That is highly entertaining and a little bit lighter. And um, yeah, definitely would would foray into that territory. Can okay. I offer a docuseries for you? Please and thank you. The Last Dance. Are you watching that? It's the MJ docuseries on ESPN. Okay, I just mentioned last night that I want to watch that. Allison, you're going to love this documentary okay. series. I, I've been pitching it to Anita. I like, know. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start. What's, give us a teaser. Like, why should we watch? So, yes. upon first <laughs> description <laughs> pitch to me, I was like, <laughs> I was um, uncertain that this would be be worthy of 10 hours of a series, yeah. but they, it's about the, the bulls, the MJ bulls team with Rodman and Scottie Pippen, their attempt to win their sixth championship in like eight years or something like that. And it's the, the drama around it is that Phil Jackson, the head coach who delivered them to all those um, championships is being iced. So the owners of the team are like, this is his last year. Michael says he'll never play for anyone other than MJ. His team is aging. Things are changing. And so people are really doubting him, but it walks you through the story of each of their leading players and of Phil Jackson, who was, is a fascinating person. I really first got familiar with him because I heard him on Oprah Super Soul Sunday because he's a huge <laughs> like yoga person he loves eastern thought and he they showed footage of him in the early 90s making his bulls team do yoga in the training stadium but it's just amazing amazing story about phil jackson yeah (laughs) he was like a lsd using hippie until he transitioned into the nba that is a great gem. That alone is a reason for me. <laughs> but there's, there's one, the episode about Dennis Rodman to me, and I was into it at this point. This is like episode four or something. But the episode about Dennis Rodman basically revealed to me, it was, I've loved how much this has reminded me how great of a um, character building thing team sports can be. And Dennis Rodman obviously is an eccentric person, and there was a point in the prep for this final season. It was either the final season or one of their seasons where Dennis Rodman was having behavioral issues, basically, and Phil Jackson and Michael Jordan had a conversation, and they were like, he needs to go spend some time like by himself. So Dennis Rodman is granted 48 hours in Vegas, which turns into like 72 hours in Vegas. <laughs> oh, my God. But basically, oh, in the yeah. retrospective interviews, they're all like, yeah, I mean, it's just who he is. Like, we had to make exceptions for him because of who he was. And Dennis Rodman's like, they understood me, and they didn't judge me for being the way that I am. And I was like, oh. God. <laughs> that's amazing. I just need 72 hours in Vegas once in a while. What can I say? <laughs> just serve it out of your system. <laughs> With Carmen Electra, by the way. Oh. I, I had heard some sort of teaser to that effect. So. Yes, but I, I recommend I, it. Because you played college you sports, watching? right? I did. So yeah. I can appreciate that team element. I also watched Cheer on Netflix and oh, definitely cried. So good. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, it was like in tears in the final episode. <laughs> that was like... COVID era chapter one for me. That feels yeah. like eons ago. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? How many days have passed since then? 
Lo- yeah. Lived a lot of lives. Since then. Lived a lot, <laughs> of lives. a lot of bras. The nope. sports stock is having a revival, I guess. That's <laughs> true. That's, that's true. That's right. I am watching right now. I'm watching three shows. <laughs> the, uh, the first is Run on HBO, which Sandra oh. and I both are really into. Okay. So it is co-produced or co-written by the woman who um, Phoebe Waller Bridge, who did Fleabag. Um, oh, she's nice. amazing and hilarious yes. and it's okay it's great it's like a romantic comedy drama thriller. Um, thriller premise being two people who kind of leave their lives um kind of out of nowhere drop everything and meet each other on a train that is going across the u.s and you like through the episodes are revealed like why they're meeting how they knew each other in the first place why they're leaving their lives very interesting and very like it's interesting steamy. like the would you say very steamy, steamy. very steamy their banter is just so rec- so yeah. like intellectually stimulating and Ooh. their like their their chemistry is just palpable yes I it reminds wait. me a lot of like the before midnight or before sunrise after midnight series that was on Netflix for a while it's just like the pacing is very similar yeah um yeah Highly recommend. The next one is Mrs. America, which is on Hulu. Yes. Yeah, that's right. Okay. I've seen the ad for it, but I haven't I haven't ventured. It is good. It is slow. It's slow, but it's really intriguing. So basically paced around the fight for the ERA and each episode is centered around like one character who was essential to the movement. Um, cool. So it starts with Phyllis Schlafly, who it's been really interesting because I like was a women's studies major and everything I knew about her was that like she was the straight up devil, like embodied, <laughs> like she was like that woman who was super anti-feminist. But this really humanizes her in a really interesting way and like takes you into her family dynamic and like the power struggle she was going through. Um, so it's very intriguing. So like she's a character. Gloria Steinem is a character. So I'm two episodes in. It's good. And then my third series (laughs) is Mindy Kaling's new Netflix uh, series, Never Have I Ever, which is based – it's, like, based loosely off of her experience, like, being a really dorky Indian-American kid in high school. Um, The acting, like, isn't amazing, but the – it's just super relatable for, like, anyone with an Indian parent who grew up as, like, a third – culture kid so i've been like laughing my ass off and i'm watching with my partner and like i don't think you really understand (laughs) Um, mindy kaling is like i i don't follow a lot of celebrities on instagram but mindy kaling to me is something of a spirit animal (laughs) Uh, so i i am obsessed with her i have actually been re-watching the mindy project i love that show i got my boyfriend into it and like i've convinced him that it's a great show and he's genuinely enjoying it so i will definitely have to watch that just you should because, yeah um, it's it has a lot of her and like you can if you like i've read her is everyone hanging out without me yeah. i think yeah there so you can like see little like snippets of her family story in there yeah. so she's so brilliant i mean she's so clever and witty and funny mm-hmm. so i will support any and all of her productions yes <laughs> yes i have to confess one really terrible a thing that I started watching this week, um, and I almost don't want to go on the record saying this, but the Bachelorette and Bachelor series is presenting, I don't even remember the name of it. It's like, <laughs> oh, listen to your heart. And it's a Bachelor oh dating show where uh, musicians 
also are trying to fall in love and find their like stage mate and their <laughs> lover. We're going for like a Lady Gaga Bradley Cooper yes. thing. Okay. It's like a star is born. Mm-hmm. They're trying to create a star is born. It is really cringy. And I mean, I, I thought I'd watch one episode and then be like, oh, no way am I going to watch further. And now I'm like, play next episode. Play next episode. Listen, I don't judge that at all. We literally marathoned this very cheesy teen drama series on Netflix over a weekend. Anita, Ben, and a group of our friends, we watched 10 hours of television in like four days. We did. And it's not like necessary. Sometimes it is. It really is. I hate you haven't stooped to that Netflix show that everyone's talking about. The one where, like, you, they put really hot people on an island oh. together, and the whole premise is, like, if you don't hook up, you get this money at the very end. But, like, if you hook up, if you masturbate, like, oh, if you do right. anything like that, you yeah. like, the pot of money that you qualify to win for goes down. That yes. is trash. Television. Can you imagine, like... Pitching that in a in a boardroom meeting, you'd be like, "I got I got the next big TV show." Yeah, it's I got a it. Dude, who's like, guys, let me let me like, I got this idea. Exactly, and there'll be a lot of hot guys and a lot of hot girls <laughs> just hooking up. Like, did oh y'all God. watch Love Is Blind? I did. Yes, I what, did. What's your review of it? I didn't watch it, but like, I feel like my like friend group was very polarized as people I, who are like, it's totally so worth I it. I definitely really enjoy that side of television. Like, I will <laughs> indulge in that side of television from time to time. So I thought that it was a great TV show, highly entertaining. And absur- <laughs> like, you, you don't believe it. You, these people are falling in love or think they're falling in love you know, without ever having seen each other. And also only after like five days, like that's the other thing. It's, like, <laughs> it I, may I, be you know, happening all over America because of COVID. I know, true. They, they got it right. They figured it out first. You know, they're like, let's make a show where people don't even have to meet. meet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my God. That's amazing. So well, I would, I would say it's worth giving it a shot. And then if you're like, nope, not my cup of tea, then escape it. But <laughs> y- you might get sucked in and then be watching eight more hours of television. Perfect. <laughs> Great. Well, Allison, thank you so much for coming back on the show. Yes. Oh, thanks for having me. It's been such a delight. It has been a true delight. It so, has been. Um, you all can find uh, the rest of our COVID and cocktails series at our website state of things.org wow guys sorry at our website she and her radio.com my brain programming has not switched gears yet today uh she and her radio.com you can follow us on instagram she and her radio find us on facebook and we will link to all of our past episodes you can catch allison's first appearance on she and her if you missed that also uh on our website Anita, if you want to run this on WUNC, I'm open to it. <laughs> and also uh, 91.5 WUNC. Find us right. there. All right. My final plug will be just to people to stay at home and keep, you know, doing the physical distancing and wearing their masks when they're out in public and being very good about hand hygiene and taking all those things really seriously. Y'all need to yes. listen to Dr. Allison. Right. Seriously. For real. Right up from she the source. She she's talking about. So that's my plea to to the public.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.